Hello everyone, this is Andrea Von Kampen and welcome to my podcast, It's My Party. This is a podcast where I sit down with women who I find to be interesting and creative and we have meaningful conversations. So if that sounds good to you, let's get started. I have saved a great guest for last today. Her name is Sojourner Brown. Sojourner and I were actually in a summer choir together many years ago. I don't know if I mentioned this in the podcast, but um, yeah, that's when I met her. And then I kind of kept tabs on her and she's had such a cool career. And so I was really excited when she agreed to be on this podcast. Sojourner is an actor based out of New York City. She recently joined the cast of Town on Broadway. She's been seen on Disney Channel, NBC, ABC, Freeform, a guest artist on season. 16 of American Idol and a vocalist on the Incredibles 2 soundtrack and she's also worked as a singer for Walt Disney Records. Uh, She is originally from Lincoln. I think we talk a bit about Lincoln in this podcast Um, but yeah she went to the NYU Tisch School of the Arts for college. She got a BFA in drama from the new studio on Broadway and is a Stone Street Studios Conservatory alum. She's a multidisciplinary artist, and she continues to write and produce her own poetry and music projects. And she has a passion for creating artistic spaces of inclusivity where marginalized voices can be heard. So Jerner is very cool. I think y'all are going to like this podcast a lot. And yeah, thank you so much for listening to this season. We will definitely be back for a season two. So I sort of want to like start from the beginning and learn like how we get to, yeah. you know, a Broadway debut slash everything else you've done. So did you grow up in Lincoln? Yes, I grew up okay. in Lincoln, Nebraska, whole life. And then I left Lincoln to go study at NYU when I was 18. Okay. And did you feel like when you were growing up in Lincoln, like you sort of knew you wanted to be a part of the arts world? Like, What's really interesting, I was reading your bio this morning and you know, like you're such a multidisciplinary artist, like you, you are, you're part of so many different things and so many different, you know, like mediums of telling stories. Like, did you feel like you knew you sort of wanted to do that? And how did growing up in Lincoln, you know, either like help or harm that vision? I mean, both. It kind of mm-hmm. like, cause I think it was all fuel right like even the maybe lack of as there there is an arts community in Lincoln I don't want to say that there isn't and I definitely grew up in that but you know just the the fact that it isn't a bigger city like New York or LA where you have more access um as an artist to more things you know and like you know my the school I went through was known for football you know southeast (laughs) not necessarily arts so and I actually you know I didn't get cast in my school productions like my freshman and sophomore year really and so I think growing up in Lincoln and always since I was little like I was four years old I was like I'm moving to New York City to be an artist that is what I want to do I've kind of been very sure of that since I was little and Yeah, I think maybe sometimes hearing no can be fuel or not seeing opportunities around you can be fuel. And I think that that definitely played out in my journey. I think, you know, writing my own music, getting into speech and debate and finding other ways to get in front of people and share art, doing choir, (laughs) acapella choir. (laughs) Yeah, my kids know. I was actually in a Renaissance acapella choir with full-on costumes and everything. Um, Honestly, I'm not surprised. No, I'm just no, trying. Yeah. But all of that, all of that helped because you know acapella experience. I ended up doing acapella for a living for a bit with Disney a couple of years later. So I, I am grateful now for those no's and for growing up in a an environment like Lincoln because I think 
it made me want to work even harder towards my goals, you know? Yeah. So at 18, you moved to New York for college. Mm -hmm. Is that correct? Yes. I studied musical theater at NYU. Sweet. Was that at all a culture shock or were you just like ready to, you know, to have something totally different? I mean, definitely culture shock because, <laughs> I mean, you know, Nebraska, it's it's just a different, you know, homogenous, sheltered mm-hmm. environment. So in, in a lot of ways, it was really freeing to be in a multicultural city like New York and to feel seen in that regard and where, you know, being an artist is not necessarily a nerdy thing to be over here. Mm-hmm. You can kind of dress how you want, live how you want. And that is something that I was very much attracted to. But also, yeah, it definitely was overwhelming because, you know, I didn't really have a built-in support network when I moved out here. I didn't really, I only knew like one other person from Lincoln that was studying at NYU. So building that community early on was really important. Yeah, definitely. So did you go to school for drama? Is that right? Yeah, I studied drama, but what NYU does when you audition for them is they place there's seven different acting studios in Tisch School of the Arts and so they based on your audition they place you in a studio that they think would be most beneficial for you and I was lucky that I got my first choice I, I wanted to be in the musical theater studio new studio on Broadway but then I did end up studying film and tv at NYU through Stone Street Studios as well and so and the musical theater program at NYU was also very acting focused which I appreciate personally um mm-hmm since acting is, I think, the most important part of any, of any, of telling a story is telling the story, you know, song and dance should be an extension of the storytelling, in in my opinion. So I was, I was definitely Mm -hmm. grateful for that. That's very cool. So when you graduate from this college, did you feel like you sort of had the connections you needed to start working, you know, as an actor, as a musical, in musical theater, or was it a bit of a you know, I've talked to a lot of artists who go to school for these things and they graduate and it's sort of like, oh my God, now what do I do? Did you feel pretty prepared? Like, what did you do after graduating? Yeah, I, yes and no. I think, you know, the things that I thought or the connections that I thought maybe would prepare me best weren't the ones that did. It was the small friendships I'd made along the way. It was someone is writing new work and is producing a concert and thought of me. And I'm like, oh, we collaborated on a piece in college a long time ago. Or just kind of friends through word of mouth, creating a couple of friends and I actually, when we graduated, um, decided to put together an artist collective and produce shows around New York City. And I definitely didn't anticipate that being something that would have been an, a way into an artist community when I graduated. So yeah, that was that was interesting the way it played out. But yeah, no, I I didn't get my agents through any like through my program specifically. I mm-hmm. kind of got them. I got my commercial agent through Stone Street Film okay. and TV, and then I asked her to refer me to the TV, film, and theater mm-hmm. department at my agency. So it definitely was a roundabout journey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> was it hard to yeah. get an agent? I mean, I think about like, you know, I did DIY yeah. music for four or five years without a booking agent, without a manager. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, it was a very long courting process. Yeah. Is it the same for your, for the theater world and stuff? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. I have. <laughs> it's just never yeah. easy. <laughs> Nothing is no, easy. <laughs> it's never easy building a team. And it's, it's tough because, you know, a lot of times there are prerequisites 
to building a team, like, you know, TV credits that a lot of agencies are looking for, Mm -hmm. but sometimes you can't get those credits without representation. So that can be difficult for a lot of super talented actors, especially when you first graduate college. So I am very, I feel very grateful and blessed that it worked out the way that it did. And I'm definitely grateful for my team. They've been with me. I've been with A3 Artist for about five years now. That's amazing. That's so great. So what was like the first gig that you look at as being sort of like the first thing post-college that made you feel really legit? Like, okay, this is is what I'm going to do, you know? Yeah. Probably working for Walt Disney Records. I mean, that was... That was definitely, that changed my life and was definitely a big game changer. I So what is that exactly? Can you sort of yeah. explain like what this gig was? Like I've watched videos, but I think like I didn't have the Disney channel growing up and I just I yeah. feel very confused about what it is. So, <laughs> no, will you just course. unpack that a bit? <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. No, it's it's confusing. So <laughs> I, can, I can admit to that. It actually changed over the course of, from us being hired as well. So Originally, when I auditioned, it was set to be kind of a touring Disney show. That was kind of all my agents really knew going into it. I auditioned and had multiple rounds of callbacks in New York. And then they flew us out to LA for what we were told would be a final callback. But when we got there, they told us we'd gotten the job. And essentially what it became was a group of an acapella group. (laughs) <laughs> under Walt Disney Records and Disney Music Group. And we released, we recorded Disney albums. We went on tours to promote those albums, similar to like a Pentatonix, mm-hmm. but in the Disney world and, and reimagining Disney classics, right? So like putting an R&B spin on a Disney song or a pop spin on mm-hmm. a Disney song, et cetera. So we were basically just like a vocal band signed to Walt Disney Records. And so for those Two and a half years I was with the group, I was working primarily just as a musician, as a singer, just kind of almost as a band would going on tour for your album, doing a tour bus, doing press for that, or and some TV appearances, like we got the chance to be on American Idol as a guest artist group, which was awesome, and do sing on the Incredibles 2 soundtrack, things like that, that were super special. That's so cool. That sounds like a great opportunity to learn a lot, and it also sounds absolutely grueling. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Was it both of those things? Absolutely. Especially it was jarring because I had studied, obviously music was a part of my college training and Mm -hmm. I grew up as a singer and music has, I write my own music as well. So singing has always been important to me, but you know, I did not anticipate uh, touring as almost like a pop band, you know, that was not, that was not what I saw being in the cards for me. And it was absolutely amazing. But yeah, we definitely were kind of thrown into this new experience. We had a great team behind us and luckily we also had each other. So I felt very supported, but it was a, it was a crazy experience, you know, especially being, I think I was 22 when I got the job and like, yeah, from 22 to 24, right out of college, just kind of like touring Japan or touring the U S. And was was this a full-time job? Like, what was it like? Was it just on the road constantly or did you have like a month off every year? Like, what did that look like? It was kind of honestly, like, I would assume similar schedules to my friends who are in bands or if you're living as a professional musician, like sometimes we'd be living our lives, like I'd be in New York, but it was pretty frequent where we got together in LA, they would fly us out a couple times a month sometimes or for tours, we'd be on the road together for months at a time. So there was a lot of back and forth. Like I would fly 
home to New York for a week, go to LA for a couple of weeks, fly back to New York, fly somewhere else like Toronto or mm-hmm. Chicago for like if we had a live TV performance or something. So yeah, it was, I, I felt bi-coastal, which was yeah. really fun. I, and I in those that. times, how did you, how did you like maintain a healthy sense of like, I don't even know, <laughs> mental health? I just, when I'm like touring yeah. a lot, I, I feel very ungrounded at times mm-hmm. and just very like, okay, I just need to be home for X number of days to feel good again. How did you balance all of that? Yeah. I am someone who loves routine, which can be <laughs> difficult when you're on a tour bus or on the road. So just finding small things that I do every day, you know, like waking up in the morning, the way that I get ready, my skincare routine, taking care of my my body, stretching, warming up, that stays the same no matter what city I'm in, was super helpful. Praying, leaning on my support team. Like I also just call my mom daily no matter where I am in the world so Mm -hmm. just kind of that's honestly part of my like you know routine is just checking in with the people I love at the start or end of the day and then you know just kind of setting myself up for success in that way I think is important that's really beautiful I love that so how did you how did you then sort of decide okay, it's time for something else. And then the other question I had was while you were doing this for two and a half years, were you also still taking on other gigs, doing other auditions? I got the chance to do a short film which called Twice as Good, which was amazing. And it ended up streaming on NBC this year, which I did not expect at all based on the week that we had. Yeah, it was really fun. So I got a chance to do small like projects like that when I was home, concerts Mm -hmm. for friends, things like that. I was still producing art shows in the city, but not larger scale. And how did I know it was time to leave? I It's not that I knew it was time to leave that project because it was heartbreaking to leave because I had had a beautiful, amazing journey. I just think I knew in my heart after two and a half years that I was ready to dive deeper into acting. That was something mm-hmm. that I missed. I was still trying to take acting classes on my time off, but I just, you know, I didn't want to fall out of practice with that craft. And you know, I, Walt Disney Records, like Decapella was the first audition my new agents ever sent me. <laughs> so <Crazy. laughs> insane, but I never really got the chance to be an auditioning working actor in the city, except when I was in college and <laughs> didn't really have that much free time. So I, I wanted that experience and I left the group like right before the pandemic started. So oh, that, gosh. that was, um, <laughs> That must have felt good. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, it definitely was. It was the right decision for the time. I definitely feel solid because, you know, it led to, I think, where I am now. But I. Mm -hmm. So, what did it feel like, though? You know, I've asked so many artists this and I talk about this with all my friends, but just sort of that, you know, March 2020. How are we going to do this anymore? You know, how are we going to do our jobs? Like sort of what was going through your mind? How did you process that? It was a lot because I had just gotten back in November from a 10 city tour in Japan, which was amazing. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking all of 2019, I can't wait to like go to the grocery store and being (laughs) in my apartment and be in one place. And I was romanticizing that. And then, and I was you know, start of 2020 was very much like head on with my agents. All right, this is going to be my year, like mm-hmm. hit the ground running auditioning. But then, you know, 
it kind of, I was forced to stand still. And to be honest, it was kind of the first time in my life I've ever stood still, literally and <laughs> emotionally, just because I've been kind of, I realized, you know, in March that I'd kind of been go, go, go since I was little. You know, when I was younger, I was in like five dance classes a week. I was in every club and doing theater, community theater, speech and debate, choir, and just kind of never really... I always had like my eye on the prize, like NYU, right? And then mm-hmm. when I got to NYU, it was like the shows at NYU doing well in my program. I was also an RA on top of my major and minor. And so, and then graduating, I, di- I didn't go home for the summer and take a vacation like some people did. I immediately was like, I'm auditioning. I got two jobs. I wow. was living out of Harlem with three roommates and was like, okay, I'm going to make this happen for myself. And then Disney was the same thing. So I March was... March of 2020 was the first time I was like, I have no plans for the month. No. (laughs) The days are so long. (laughs) No calendar. Yeah. No calendar. And it was jarring, but I also think, I don't want to say that it was necessary because it was also traumatic for like the rest of the world experienced, but it it forced me to sit with parts of myself. I don't think I had um, Mm. confronted in a while. Yeah. Yeah. How did you stay creative and, you know, just like artistically fulfilled? I I wrote a lot of poetry. I was part of a Zoom poetry group called Women's Poetry Workshop based out of New York. They're awesome, awesome people. And every Sunday we would hop on a Zoom call and like workshop poems together. And that was super grounding. I journaled a lot, which is something I've always done my whole life. And yeah, I, I tried to, I, I took weekly online Zoom acting classes through the Freeman studio, my acting studio in New York that I still take classes from that I love. But to be honest, I there were times where I didn't want to feel creative where, mm-hmm. you know, I would try to write a song and I couldn't, you know. And so I kind of just, like the rest of the world, kind of did the best I could yeah. during the first few months. And did you stay in New York for most of it? I mean... I just I feel I feel so much for my friends who were in New York and LA during the heart of it because I think it was a wildly different experience than the Midwest cities. Absolutely. Yeah, I was in I was in Brooklyn the whole <laughs> the whole time. And you I really I lived got in a your wish to just be in your apartment. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yep. So like what was your first gig back then? Like after the whole pandemic? Well, I, I got the chance to do some commercial work during the pandemic, which was a very strange experience. It felt very apocalyptic. I mean, the pandemic is obviously still going on, but it felt, you know, joyful to be on a set. But then also, you know, especially because I, I, I got one job in early 2021 and yeah, it was scary, you know, being, we got COVID tested like multiple, multiple times. Um, And then I had another job where I had to fly for an Apple commercial to Atlanta in the middle of the pandemic. And being on a plane felt scary. And I obviously took every precaution, but yeah, it it was, it was, it was tough, but it was, I'm I'm very grateful for those experiences. Mm -hmm. What's a commercial shoot like? I mean, not necessarily during a pandemic, but just sort of like, what is the process of shooting a commercial? So usually my agents will send me an audition 
And lately, because everything during the pandemic, it's been self-tapes. So I will tape at home, whether it's commercial or for TV, film, theater, send it out. And then, you know, there might be a callback. And then when you get on set, you know, there's a lot of COVID procedures (laughs) these days. And I've actually, you know, prior to the pandemic, I hadn't had much commercial experience. So this kind of, I had done a couple, but this I've done the bulk of my commercial work during the pandemic. So just kind of going through that process of making mm. sure that everyone on set is really safe. And um, yeah, they're, they're, it's, it's long days, but it's like a day or two for a shoot versus a film project or a theater project that could be weeks or months mm-hmm. on end. Yeah, that's cool. I definitely saw you in a commercial a couple of weeks ago and I was like, wait, oh, yeah. <laughs> I think that might have jogged my memory to reach out to you for this podcast. Amazing. (laughs) Oh, man. It's really cool, though. My uncle has been in a couple commercials, and sometimes I'd see him, like, when I'd stay home sick from school Mm -hmm. and watch, like, daytime television. (laughs) It's always a little surreal. Okay, so you you were able to do some commercials, and then, you know, how do we get from this to – Broadway, like what were some other things you did between those commercials and Hades Town? Yeah, a lot of auditioning. <laughs> a lot of a lot of auditioning. A lot Do of stuff. Do you feel like you handle rejection well? <laughs> I I feel like I'm getting better. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I've like I said earlier on, you know, I growing up, I definitely was told no a lot. And I am grateful for that experience because I think this is a tough industry and I think if I hadn't had those experiences of being told no early in my life, I don't think I would be able to have the strength to kind of keep going despite the no's, you know, and it's sometimes it's easier than others, you know, sometimes you have to remind yourself that, you know, it's not always about you or your talent. It can sometimes just be that you don't match the vision that someone, you know, has in mind and that's okay. But I, th- I tend to believe that, you know, if something is for me, it's for me and that God has a path for my life. And, you know, if something's not on that path, then it was never mine to begin with. And mm-hmm. there, that, it means that it's clearing space for something like more beautiful or more right for me in the mm. future. That's great. And it's like a good reminder to just not hold on to things too tightly. Like I when I know there's like a big opportunity, I'm like, okay, how can I control this situation? What can I do to make this happen for me? And I feel like those are always the things that end up never happening. (laughs) Yeah. It's hard. You have to, a big theme of my life right now that I've been realizing is to not hold on to things so tightly. Mm -hmm. I, or muscle my way through my, through, through life. I think sometimes if we, yeah, just moving with peace, more peace in general and contentment. So that way, when life does throw, you know, something unexpected your way, you're not as shaken by it. Or when you do hear no, you're able to take it with more grace. You know, I think that's something I'm mm-hmm. always working on. Totally. Oh, gosh, me too. This is a good reminder to do that more. <laughs> All right. Last thing. Do you have anything you'd like to promote while you're on this podcast? Any projects you want to talk about? <laughs> Nothing that I want to promote that is currently out, but just I'm currently writing an EP. I'm working on my poetry book. So just, you know, keep an eye out for those things. And I'll be posting about them on my Instagram at Brown. 
and on my website, sojournerbrown.com. But yeah, just kind of things in the works, but taking it day by day. That's sweet. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's good to see you. You too. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast episode today. Man, what a season we've had. Uh, this has been great. Um, I really, really just want to thank everyone for listening to this season's podcast. We will definitely be back for a season two, hopefully uh, sometime in the spring. But in the meantime, I've got some fun updates. I'm going to be on tour soon. I leave uh, October 6th and tour starts on the 7th in New York City. Then we go to Philly, Washington, D.C., Carborough, North Carolina, Charlotte, North Carolina, Nashville, Tennessee, Decatur, Georgia, Mill Valley, California, Ashland, Oregon, Bend, Oregon, and then Portland, Oregon. If you want to go to a show, you can go to my website right now, andreavoncampen.com, and get tickets. I would love to see you at one of these shows. Also, um, five-ish days ago, I think now, I released a new single called Love Him Right. You can find it anywhere that you listen to music. Um, I wrote this single, I wrote this song for a film that I was in. The film is now called A Chance Encounter. It will be out at the end of October. It'll be screening in theaters and you can purchase it online. I don't know what theaters it will be in yet, but as soon as I do, I will announce that out on all of my socials. But I wrote this song for a character. The character's name is Josie Day, and she has a a one-hit wonder type of career. So I had to write a song that would be the equivalent of a one-hit wonder, which is hard when you are a singer-songwriter and and you've never really tried to write a one-hit wonder. Um, (laughs) So... This song was the product of that. Um, It's called Love Him Right. But yeah, Josie Day sings this song. This is what gets her famous. It's kind of weird. Like, folks, I don't know if that really is normal for folk singers, but that's what happened to Josie Day. (laughs) Anyways, you can find this song wherever you listen to music. And I hope you really like it. And I hope that you all can watch the film when it comes out. Definitely, uh keep checking my socials because I'll be posting about this a lot. You can follow the Chance Encounter page as well. It's on Instagram as a Chance Encounter. They'll also be posting updates. So that is all for now. Thank you so much for listening to this season of It's My Party. We will see you in 2023 and I hope you all have a great fall.